The Cubs, Rangers, and Pirates may need to replace key hitters, and we'll consider some of the possible replacements. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three go-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Friday, July 17th. I'm Al Melkier, and I am winding up my week in the best possible way with Derek Van Riper. And uh, DVR, we've got a couple of updates here on some items that Michael Beller and I discussed on the Thursday show involving uh, where a couple of teams are going to play. Uh, good news for the Blue Jays. They have received authorization to play home games at Rogers Center. So that is one little bit of uncertainty that's, uh, that's been wiped away. However, the Nationals, the other team that uh, Michael and I discussed, they still do not uh, know where they're going to play home games because, as we did discuss, the District of Columbia has extended their state of emergency. So the Nationals are looking at alternatives to Nationals Park, including their uh, minor league affiliate venues in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and West Palm Beach, Florida. So that uh, update coming to us from Jesse Darty of the Washington Post. Um, so again, this is a wrinkle I honestly didn't think much about DVR, and I, maybe it's not worth thinking about. But uh, I was kind of taking park fanner, park factors for granted when thinking about the the realignment, and some of these park factors just you know, might not be what, what we thought they were. The parks might not be what we thought they were. Yeah, it's an unexpected late twist, but that's what the 2020 season is going to be, I guess. Lots of surprises around every corner. I would think, it, just from a, a peace of mind standpoint, there's got to be a slight edge to playing in your regular home MLB park as opposed to having to relocate even slightly i mean a move from dc to fredericksburg isn't terrible but moving home games from dc to west palm beach seems pretty terrible that seems like that could maybe make a few players uncomfortable just from a difference in condition standpoint and you know i I think there's a lot of unanswered questions here so i'm kind of curious to see how that plays out i don't know if there's anything immediately actionable with it until we know what those alternative locations officially will be and if they're actually going to be in play, but absolutely a story to monitor. It, it, it is. And, uh, you know, maybe the, the Blue Jays have set something of a precedent by getting uh, authorization. But, uh, yeah, we, we certainly can't take anything for granted. I think that is uh, that is the takeaway here. Uh, we have more players returning, uh, including DJ LeMahieu, uh, who was uh, out due to COVID, and he is expected to return sometime this week, according to the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal. So good news there. We have some injury updates. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Rizzo's been dealing with a stiff back, and of course, Rizzo has had a history of some back issues. This is dealing from a, uh, this is, I'll be honest, an injury I'm not that familiar with, uh, rib head swelling uh, that's causing a back issue for him. And uh, that comes to us from Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune. So we're going to talk a little bit later about some updated ADPs, ADPs for the uh, the month of July. Uh, so I'm looking at those right now. 
on the NFBC site. And Rizzo is fifth. I think that's where he was before anyway, but he really is the start of a new tier of first baseman because you've got a big four of Cody Bellinger, Freddie Freeman, Pete Alonso, and, and Matt Olson. And that one always kind of strikes me as odd that Matt Olson is now considered um, you know, basically just a shade below Pete, Pete Alonso. But uh, Anthony Rizzo is the fifth one, but it's, it's very bunchy there. So I would expect that uh, as this weekend comes up and there's a bunch of drafts that owners will probably, uh, you know, opt for some of the other options, including, by the way, DJ LeMahieu, who we just talked about, um, Jose Abreu, Max Muncie, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Josh Bell. Uh, I mean, at this point, it is it too drastic to say that Anthony Rizzo maybe shouldn't be among the top 10 first basemen? I don't think it's too drastic. I mean, I, I think he's dealt with a similar issue in recent years, and it hasn't cost him a lot of time. I think the problem we run into in this season is that each missed game is more impactful this year than it ordinarily would be because of the 60-game season. I previously had Rizzo at the top of that cluster, and by that cluster, I mean the Jose Abreu, Paul Goldschmidt, Josh Bell, Max Muncie cluster. I did have Matt Olson just a little bit ahead of Anthony Rizzo, so I'm sort of with the market, I guess, in terms of how I'm looking at this situation, but you know, the difference between Rizzo and Abreu, Rizzo and Muncie, Rizzo and Goldschmidt, Rizzo and Bell is so small to begin with. I think it comes down to why would you expose your roster to added injury risk when the skills differences between those players are so small? Uh, so I think Rizzo at least falls within that group. I don't know if he drops down to my next tier, which has Carlos Santana, Luke Voigt, Edwin Encarnacion. I think he's still a notch above that group in part because I think the batting average floor is quite a bit higher. So I think that's where you see enough of a difference in skills where you could probably justify taking Rizzo ahead of those guys. Uh, so I'm going to pick up on something you said uh, now, which was uh, your, your next cluster, which didn't include Reese Hoskins. Uh, now, were you just kind of cherry picking, you know, some examples of first baseman from that tier? Or do you really think that Hoskins is another tier down? No, Hoskins is kind of right there on the cusp of being in the group. So you could probably nudge him into that bunch and I, I wouldn't really fight back on it. I mean, I think if you if you strip away the names and you look at the projections from the Bat X, the biggest difference between Reese Hoskins and say Pete Alonzo is about 14 points of projected batting average. Home runs are only 16 to 14 favoring Alonzo. You know, run production, RBIs and runs added together. Alonzo's at, I think, 74. Hoskins is at 70. I mean, that's a pretty small difference for two players who are about 80 picks apart from each other in ADP. So I think part of that is Alonzo not having a lengthy track record of success, even though what he did last year was outstanding. And the other part of that, of course, is production being squeezed closer together in a shortened season as well. I mean, the margins between players, if you're making projections and running those into dollar values, a home run, a stolen base, an RBI, a run, those things actually make a pretty big difference right now. So it's really difficult to get separation uh, yeah. across a, a lot of parts of the player pool. That's the tricky thing. Cause yeah, as you say, uh, just, you know, one, notch up or down in terms of counting stats make could make a big difference. And yet, you know, when you're talking about such small differences, it's really hard to project for that. So uh, that's just, yeah, another element that we'll all have to deal with this year uh, going on here with the 
uh, injury updates. Willie Calhoun, we've been talking about him the past few days. Uh, he has been diagnosed with a grade one hip strain and is likely to miss some time at the start of the season, according to Jeff Wilson of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, but not much time. So uh, based on that report, I, I don't even though, again, you know, missing a few games means more than missing a few games in a 162 game season uh, doesn't sound like a big difference maker there. Um, but would you just be concerned about maybe some lingering impact with Calhoun uh, as you look at drafts this weekend? Yeah, he'll get a slight downgrade. I've got another update for the rankings coming up before the weekend since I know draft activity is picking up a little bit. So he'll fall slightly it's really just a matter of knocking him down probably about a week's worth of games. So I think he's still draftable, but you just don't want to have too many players dealing with nagging injuries. It kind of goes back to what we said about Rizzo. I'm more comfortable taking a little injury risk late as opposed to taking it early because the payoff can be so much bigger and you're not as invested. If it's not going well in terms of recovery or if he comes back and he's not hitting at the level expected, it's a little easier to cut ties with that player if needed. Right. Absolutely. Uh, even in a normal year, that would be the case. And then one more uh, injury update. Uh, Gregory Polanco has been absent from Pirates camp since Tuesday uh, as of uh, this recording. Uh, so I'm not sure if maybe he appeared at some point on Thursday. Uh, but so as far as we know, he's been been out since Tuesday with no explanation provided. So um, what we do know from reports is that the Pirates are looking at potential replacements for Polanco. And they're going to go with the internal candidates first. So, um, you know, there's uh, there's nobody there that's really in the been in the realm of uh, fantasy relevant. You know, somebody who's really been taken uh, in, in mixed league drafts there. But um, is there anybody in that pirate situation that you're you're given a, a closer look at now that uh, Polanco maybe won't be available by opening day? Yeah, I think one thing we could see is maybe some movement for a few players where. Maybe Adam Frazier moves from second base to left field, and then Brian Reynolds moves from left to right to cover Polanco's spot. And someone other than Heredia ends up actually becoming the net winner from a potential Polanco absence. I think Cole Tucker is probably the guy on that depth chart who I'm most interested in, who doesn't have a starting job right now. We were excited about him when he got called up last year. It didn't really work out. I just think the Pirates are in a position where even if they're going to bury Tucker in the bottom third of their batting order, they are better off long term letting him play every day, letting him figure things out against big league pitching. And for us as fantasy players, it could be a player who contributes some cheap stolen bases up the middle. I think that's what I'm hoping for from Tucker even if there's not a lot else there in the profile, even if he's kind of limited to mostly NL-only leagues and very deep mixed leagues, he's the guy that I'm most interested in if it turns out that Polanco's going to have to miss some time. Yeah, well, if that were the case, then that that's the outcome I would be hoping for, for sure. And I've you know made no secret of my hope for Cole Tucker to find some playing time uh, on this podcast, but... In uh, in the preseason camp, as you know, you alluded to Guillermo, Guillermo Heredia. Um, you know, he's been getting some reps there uh, out in right field. Um, maybe uh, it provides a, a little bit more of a cementing of playing time for Jose Uzuna, who maybe could see some time at DH. So uh, you know that that wouldn't be bad either. Uh, you know, because I think Ozuna could uh, could wind up having some mixed league value as well. Uh, we have a couple of DL moves from, or I'm sorry. IL moves two years later, still not adjusted to that change Two uh, injured list moves for the Marlins, Matt Joyce and Lewis Brinson. 
And Harold Ramirez has apparently been impressing uh, folks in the Marlins organization in uh, in camp. And uh, he, as it stands right now, probably would be playing the most in right field with Monty Harrison, perhaps uh, standing a better chance of making the squad, although not necessarily in a steady starting role. So uh, any interest in either of those outfielders? I've got more interest in Harrison, I think. You know, Ramirez is a stopgap sort of player, probably more of a bench outfielder in the long term. And I'm very intrigued by Monty Harrison. His story goes back to uh, being a two-sport athlete who had some options coming out of high school, had a chance to go play wide receiver at the University of Nebraska, decided to play baseball instead. Uh, We've seen the speed on full display in the minor leagues, including last season. He was 20 for 22 as a base dealer in only 56 games with the New Orleans baby cakes. So there's really nothing left for him to prove in the minors. There's no minor league season for him to play in. I think the Marlins are probably just going to try and hold him down for a week just so they can keep that extra year of service time later. Uh, One thing that really caught my eye too is I was doing some research about Harrison for the ads and drops piece this week. His minor league exit velocity numbers, which are just difficult to find for most players, but they were included in the Marlins prospect report that Eric Longenhagen and Kylie McDaniel of Fangraphs wrote back during the winter. And Monty Harrison had an average exit velocity of 93.4 miles per hour at AAA last year, which is very high. Uh, 52% hard hit rate. Those are balls hit at 95 miles per hour or harder. Uh, Defensively, he's going to be an above average center fielder. That's going to drive playing time. I mean, everything here points to a potential fantasy star. We've seen toolsy players like Harrison come up where there's some swing and miss initially. The average is low. He draws enough walks to be, I think, passable in OBP, even if the average is low initially. But there's legit power. There's an efficient base stealing ability. And there are very good defensive skills to fall back on that can drive playing time. So I'm very excited about Monty Harrison. I do like him as an early season pickup. I'm just expecting to have to wait until the second week of the season before the Marlins actually start to play him. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, that uh, exit velocity stat is really eye opening, but it also, you know, it makes me wonder if, you know, sometimes I get sort of faked out by the the hitters that are at the top of that exit velocity leaderboard when they don't have great contact skills. And Harrison has had trouble making contact in the minor leagues. So that is not something that, uh, you know, worries you about him making, you know, potentially his first, uh, first, uh, first appearance in the major leagues. Well, I I think it's going to be an issue, but I think what's encouraging is that as he was making some changes to his swing last year with the move from double A to triple A, where we saw a lot of hitters actually strike out, more than ever. Uh, we saw Harrison lower his strikeout rate from 36.9% in 2018 to 29.9%. Still, an, an elevated K rate to be sure, but I just think there was a, a pretty encouraging step forward there. And I, I want to I give Harrison more of the benefit of the doubt development-wise, again, because of the, the multi-sport athlete that he was. The, the guy that had so many options that didn't focus solely on baseball until he became a pro a few years back. So I think he's a little bit younger in terms of actual baseball development than his listed age. And that should sort of be accounted for too, when you're looking at him and keeper and, and dynasty leagues. Yeah. Well, that's some excellent context there to, uh, to bring to the, bring to the analysis. And also speaking of things that are uh, dynasty relevant, 
Uh, an unfortunate uh, injury for Julio Rodriguez, one of the uh, top Mariners prospects. He's got a hairline fracture in his left, left wrist. There's no ETA uh, for him to come back from that injury uh, yet, but uh, probably not anytime soon. And uh, you know, not a, he was not going to debut uh, in you know, all likelihood in 2020 anyway, but definitely something for uh, people in Dynasty Leagues to uh, keep tabs on. Our featured read for today, uh, we'll refer back to the discussion we had earlier about July ADPs. Uh, Nando DeFino has taken a look at that and uh, apparently with uh, an assist from you, DVR. Uh, so uh, ADP risers and fallers, Isaiah kind of Falefa and Rachel surging in July drafts. That is our featured read for today. And that wraps up the week in fantasy baseball in 15. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Monday. Mm-hmm.